This episode is sponsored by Mint Home Loans. With mortgage interest rates nearing all-time lows, now is the time to see what options you may qualify for. Make Mint Home Loans your trusted partner for all your mortgage needs. In today's times, your money matters. Shop local with Mint at 410-458-6847 for any home loan questions you may have. Welcome to Life's Tough. You can be tougher. I'm Dustin Plantelt, your host. This is a show about life and purpose. It's about the stories we all have. Everyone, when you think about it, has a story. Yet some stories seem more riveting than others. That's to be expected. Not every story, after all, is the basis for a book or a movie or an HBO miniseries. The point is to use your story to give others hope, to inspire them, to make them want to reach to the stars to reach things that were once impossible. Our next guest today is Lonnie Main. When Lonnie was a kid, he remembers hearing the cheers for his pro wrestling dad rise from the stands. But every time his dad stepped out of the ring, he'd shake off his Moondog Main persona to connect with his fans on a human level. After Lonnie's father passed away, he spent his summers traveling with his uncle, who was a CEO turnaround guy and his personal business mentor. Lonnie sat in meetings with him and watched him get the best out of others by treating them like people first and employees or customers second. Over the last few decades, Lonnie has been a technology executive and before that, an executive navigating mergers and acquisitions. During the most challenging times, he has often asked himself, how can I turn this noise down and develop the full potential of our people and our organization? He knew there had to be a more respectful way to have tough conversations handle company changes, and build team trust and resilience. A more inspired way to get others showing up every day, feeling excited to get to work, a more personalized way to serve customers and stand out from competitors. And he knew where these changes would have to start, not with the company, but with the leaders building and inspiring company culture. To answer all these tough questions, he created a simple, life-changing, and value-driven performance model. It's called Red Shoes Living. Let's bring them on now. Lonnie Main, welcome to Life's Tough. You can be tougher. Dustin, thank you. It's uh, it's a pleasure and an honor to be with you. Uh, well, so you and I were kind of talking offline that you come from a family of entertainers. So tell me a little bit before we get into to your organization, your father. Who was your father? Yeah. So my father, uh, his name was uh, Lonnie Maine, but he was also known as Moondog Maine, professional wrestler, um, passed away when I was 10 years old, but was, you, you know, back, I was a baby back in those days was a uh, six time world champion and wrestled people like Andre the Giant and Rocky Johnson, who is Dwayne Johnson's father, who just passed away this last year as well. And and um, yeah, it was quite a quite an upbringing, and he was quite a character for sure. Well, it, it sounds like he had a very large impact on your life. You know, talk to me the story. So, when your dad passed away, you know, this was your role model. Was there a new role model that entered that entered your life? There was, yeah. In fact, I had quite a few. Um, my dad's brother was one of them. He was a business executive, and a lot like a lot like my father, actually, in terms of his charisma and, and how he treated people and how he held people accountable, but he did it in a way that, you know, he, um, 
offered his respect and, and kindness to people, but pushed them to be the best version of themselves. So I learned a lot from him. In fact, um, probably one of my main mentors and really in my life along the way, I've had, I've had many, some of those mentors are just good friends of mine, you know, that, um, supported me in my career and supported me through my challenges and whatever. And so, yeah. And in mentorship, you know, it comes in many different forms. You know, many times when we have mentors in our life, there, there are some mentors that are the ones to hold us accountable and others, as I say, well, they're the ones that you look at to say, don't do that or don't act that way or don't behave that way that you equally get the best of people and you get the worst from people. Do you not? Right. Yeah, you do. You do. And I think, you know, sometimes you have to understand what their story is and why they're coming at you. If it's the worst of somebody, there's a story behind that. There's a reason for that. And that's something that I learned both from my father, as well as my uncle and other mentors is you have to pause in moments like that. Um, You know, you want to create space for people to be the best version of themselves, hold them accountable to that. But we're human. We're not going to get it right all the time. And so when we don't get it right, just understanding that there is a story behind, you know, the very reason that they didn't get it right. And getting to the story sometimes is more important than actually dealing with that situation or, or trying to match that situation in a, in a negative way. You know, but it's interesting though, Lonnie, that why do we expect perfection from others? Why do we ask others to hold themselves to a higher standard? Yet we ourselves are so flawed. Yeah, you know, I think it's, I think we're hopeful. I think we're hopeful that people will, well, not only people, but ourselves will be the best version of ourselves. You know, I think they're, we were raised that way. We want, at least in my case, I want to see people be their best. Anything short of that is living a life that's short of the best life they could live. So I think we put that out there. I think um, our expectations are definitely high, higher on others many times than on ourselves. Um, but, you know, I think as a human race, we want progression. We want to grow. We want to experience. And so anytime we, we see that not happening, you know, we, we get a little discouraged about that. Yeah. And, and I'm also finding that we now live in a world where for many people, goals seem to be non-existent. I mean, when you look back to the, to your ancestors, they had goals, didn't they? All right, we're going to build this and then we're going to build that. And then we're going to grow this. And then we're going to head there that these goals kept them on a path. But we now are in a world where there seems to be a lot of chaos that people seem to be lost. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've thought a lot about this because I grew up in a world where goals were important. Um, and I still, you know, set goals. I think here's what I've learned though. Uh, I ran a tech company for 11 years and in that tech company, there was, you know, um, diverse in terms of the age. We had a lot of, um, you know, the millennial generation, like 80% of our company fit that role. And from that generation, one of the things I've learned is that you can, you can set goals and experience life along the way. And I think in the past, sometimes those goals, those maniacal goals that we focused on, we achieved them and overachieved them. But along the way, we kind of missed the point. And this new generation is saying, wait a minute, no, we, we, goals are still important to us. Um, but we want to experience life along the way as well. We want to you know, feel the sunshine. We want to travel a little bit more. We want to have relationships that are, that are meaningful. And we still want to build the building. So they kind of want both. And I, you know, I think any generation you either look to or look back at, you can learn some, some incredible things. And that's one of the things that I've learned is that, you know, I'm, I'm 52 years old now and I still want to crush my goals, but I don't want to miss life along the way either. And I think that's what I've learned. You know, what I love about Yulani is that there, there's a saying years ago that I heard, and it, it is a reflection of what I look at you is that leaders don't create more followers, they create more leaders. It, was that right. always your goal to create more leaders? 
You know, I think the way I looked at life was from my father to my grandmother and mother. I had this great, and most of us have a, a, a good foundation at some level, but they taught me to see the best in people, to see the human being first and to see their potential. And in, in, in return, they taught me to do that with myself. Um, and so I think from a very early age, um, when my father passed away, I saw a lot of people that were sad. Thousands of people came to his funeral and told stories about my father. That's remarkable. And yeah, and I didn't, I didn't want, even at 10 years old, I didn't want to see people sad. And so I think from that moment on, I started to, um, encourage people and maybe even make people laugh and inspire people in, in an effort to let them live their best life and get through tough times. So for me, it started all the way down at that age and it never left. Um, and so in return, you know, as I've, I'm older now, I still learn every single day from every human being that I come in contact with. If I, if I pay attention, cause everybody's a leader to your point, you know, and if I pay attention, if I'm at a restaurant and, you know, a server comes up and communicates with me, if I pay attention during that period of time when I'm being served, I'm going to learn something from that human being. that's going to help me be a better human being and be a better leader. And that's kind of how I approach life, but you've got to give people space to, to do that, to be their best selves, to show you their best self. And so I, you know, you have to create that space for that. And leaders or or those in leadership, you know, the the challenge that many of them have faced before the pandemic or before now the the protests that are happening, not just in this nation, but around the world, that that leadership always comes with a cost that, well, yes, there are certain um, there's certain financial perks or certain advantages. There does seem to be this disconnect where leaders are held to a higher standard and that what is what they have in front of them and what they are required to do seems to be a heavier weight and a heavier burden. I mean, ha- carrying that weight, it, it must take a take an effect. Yeah, well, here, here's something interesting. And in fact, you know, Michael Jordan's got that documentary out now, and he talks about the cost of leadership, you know, and pushing people to be their best and to win championships. Through this, pan- <clears throat> through this pandemic, one of the things that has been uh, very striking for me is the leaders that I talk to every day. I had a CEO uh, here at my house, um, social distancing still, but at the house for about three hours yesterday that is that has got a lot on his, his plate it's a global company and he's trying to lead and you know he's, he's had to make all the tough decisions that leaders have had to make from cost cutting measures to realignment to pivoting the business to all of that and then you sit with a leader like that and you realize he's also a human being so you know he's got the personal stuff going on in his life as well so what i've learned through this pandemic is leaders you know, they are doing their best to be the beacon and to stay out front. But in those quiet times when they're alone, they're just like us and they're dealing with all of the same issues that we're dealing with. And so it becomes critically, critically important as a leader to make sure that you're taking care of yourself, because if you're not taking care of yourself, there is no way you can take care of others. And so that's something that we focused on with people is, look, take time for yourself, whatever health looks like for you, whether it's yoga or CrossFit or meditation or your eating habits or hiking or biking or walking, do that. And, you know, and sleep becomes such a big part of that as well. And so I think leaders today, more empathetic, more understanding, trying to connect more with people because of the, you know, the remote teams that we have and it's exhausting. So we spend a lot of time with leaders, literally talking on the phone and and I'll make them walk. I'll say, why don't you go outside and walk? I'm going to go outside and walk and let's talk for the next, you know, 30, 45 minutes or so 
just to get them outside or just to get them moving. Um, so it's critically important to yeah, take no, care of yourself it, now. It is. And, and leaders aren't always those who, who run companies or, or, or managers. It, it could be somebody in uh, your own home, a family member that's a leader, a parent that is supposed to lead the next generation to leave this world far better than the way we found it. I mean, this message of leadership, it, it kind of it, it crosses over into many aspects of our lives, not just on the business front. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it, it, the way you just said that, it, you know, I was thinking about, I believe everybody is a leader. So when we're talking about leadership, we can define it by somebody that runs a company or somebody that's, you know, the head of a household or whatever the case may be. But I think that um, every single individual is developing into a leader from a child, um, you know, all the way up to when we're, we're more senior, we're always leading. We're always setting an example. We should always be learning and adapting. The world is changing so much. And I, I you know, I want to share something with you too that through the company Red Shoes Living um, that I run, you know, a lot of our work right now is is in working with leadership and executive teams and and helping them become the best version of themselves, or reminding them of who they are and how to get to the next level. And there are three things that have emerged out of this pandemic that we've been talking a lot about. You know, when adversity faces us or an opportunity faces us that we want to step into, um, to achieve. These are the three things that we do. We have to commit or step into it. When the pandemic hit, we had no choice. Some things just step into us and we're in it. That's right. And so that's the first thing. The second thing is you have to step through it. And the step through process is the process that's the most painful. And you can, you can look at um, a, a broken relationship. You can look at the pandemic. You can look at anything and use these steps. But as you step through a difficult situation, you've got, you know, fear and you've got um, uh, trepidation and you've got anger and, you, you know, all of these negative things kind of start to hit you. And it becomes very difficult as you're stepping through these things. But then on the other side of it, through the step through, you've also got opportunity and you've also got, you know, different mindset and different rhythms that you can create. So as we've gone through this pandemic, I've watched and I've, I'm no different. I've watched people go through fear and anger, frustration, you know, all of those negative things and then start to pivot through that step through and see the opportunity, see that they can create a new rhythm, see that they can give themselves permissions to work in a, in a completely different way. And eventually, as you go through the step through process, you come to what I call the step up. And when you step up, and sometimes that's somebody that's lifting you up to a step because you can get stuck in that step through. But once you step up, the view becomes incredibly different. The optics become different. Your perspective becomes different. So now you look back at the pandemic from day one to where we are today. And, you know, most of the leaders that I've worked with have learned a tremendous amount about leadership, their people, themselves, their families. Um, gratitude shows up. So now you're sitting on that step up place and you're looking back at the world and you're going, you know what? I am going to be a much better leader. I'm going to be a much better human being because of what I just went through. But it was hell. <laughs> you know, it wasn't it wasn't perfect. And again, I think you can look at anything in your life that you face, a broken relationship, finance, tough financial situations, and you can say there's three things. I've got to step into it. I've got to step through it. But that's where I'm going to learn the most. And eventually, if I keep the right mindset and perspective and surround myself with the right people that continue to you know, pull me and push me up, I'm going to step up and I'm going to be better for it. Wow. And so those are the three things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. It kind of reminded me back to a famous quote that Isaac Newton said, that if I've seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. Perfect. That you cannot do it on your own, that you will not make it in this world. And I was asked yesterday a question, Lonnie, by a fan of the show and said, hey, Dustin, you, you've 
You've had a lot of incredible people uh, over the past year on. Have there been, has there been like either one person or, or a favorite? And I said, I, I can't answer that. And he said, well, what has been your number one takeaway? And I said, well, that I, I can't answer. And from like you talking to super successful people around the world and giving them guidance or uh, at least hearing them and, and their story along the way, I found that the one common theme that while many of them don't know the words, they don't know how to say it inside what they want is they want their peace back. They want to maintain their peace because I find that what happens that you could obtain all of the things in the world, all the accolades, all the toys, you can have the house, the car, you can have the, the kids, you could have this life you thought you wanted. And then once you get it, it's still not enough. And I go, well, it's because you don't have your peace. That yeah. We spend this journey in life looking for our peace, yet we don't give it those words. Yeah. Well, so this is really interesting. It, it, I wasn't sure what you were going to say. And, and I love what you said because the, the three steps that I just mentioned to you, the step in, the step through, and the step up. Along the path of that, there's also uh, what I call the circle of unsettling. And what I mean by that is every single day, and I do this, every single day I draw a circle on a piece of paper and I write inside of that circle the things that are unsettling to me. And the reason I'm doing that is I want to I want to resolve those things. And, and to resolve them, again, I have to step in, step through and step up. But they're unsettling to me and I want peace with them. And so another exercise we take people through is that. What's unsettling to you, whether it's professionally or personally? They can be big things. They can be small things. It can be a bill that you want to pay or it can be, you know, a house you want to build or and you've, you've never stepped into it yet. So as we kind of go through that process with people, we start taking the small things and say, look, if it's unsettling, if this is a boulder that you're carrying around, let's get that boulder and, and drop it. You know, the chance of or the uh, the opportunity to drop that boulder so you become lighter and more peaceful is is one of the keys to some you know level of joy in life and people hang on to stuff. Well, well, I mean, we hang on to, yeah, I mean, we hang on to past relationships. We hang on to, you know, maybe somebody that, that passed away from the past. And instead of taking the best of them and moving forward, we stay there, you know, we stay in that spot. So we do a lot of work with, you know, taking things that are unsettling and just resolving them, getting them done, stepping into them, stepping through them, and then stepping up and moving on. And it's all what you said. It's all about peace. It's all about the peace. And I find yeah. the people that we've had on the show and then in my own life outside, because I just have a life, is that I connect with people better on their weaknesses, not their strengths. That when yeah. I can finally get to the root of their problem or the things that are holding them back, I realize the I have this, me too. You're not yeah. the only one in this pandemic world. Now, most of us have a lot of time to kind of think we're stuck in our own heads. We can't be distracted by, by other people at restaurants or bars, not that I'm a drinker, but you right. can't go out and do the things you once did. Now you're with exactly who it's always been. You're with yourself. And yeah. that I now am able to look at proclivities, things that I have that I am more uh, likely to do. So being restless, you know, I looked at that term, we had that on the show last uh, last week. We're talking about restlessness. And it runs in my family. Even before a pandemic broke out, my family's been restless. I, I can trace my ancestors all the way back to, to Scotland, uh, to my cousin being Robert the Bruce, that my ancestors themselves were restless. They didn't want to stay in. They didn't want to stay put. That Then current day, they had worries and anxieties and fears that this thing yeah. called restlessness can really control a person and it can help. It can eventually, if left untreated, it can blow up their family, it will blow up their lives, and it will make them live in literal hell, a prison here on earth. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I think it's um, clearly in, in, you know, more people's DNA than we think it is. I think we're all even coming kind of emerging out of this pandemic, you know, and watching people ready to run again, you know, and they want to move. And I think naturally that becomes part of our rhythm and, and how we solve things. You know, if I go back to when my father passed away, um, you know, I think one of the reasons I've worked so hard is I was running away from the pain of that. So I would work, you know, and I would travel to your point when you have to sit, you know, in a pandemic and sit in that you, you don't have all of those things that you normally would concerts and bars and planes and travel. And so, you know, what I've, what I've done with people is I've sat with them and we've reflected on, let's find out who you are. I, I want to share a quick story with you I work with a doctor that helps people clear traumatic experiences. So from time to time and traumatic can be, you know, you didn't make, you didn't make the football team when you were in high school, but it's still with you. And so sure. now at some age, you know, you, you don't get the job and you reflect back on that moment, you tie them together and they're not actually tied together. So it, it inhibits your ability to perform at a higher level. So this doctor tries to clear those things so you can be the best version of yourself. You can be more at peace. You can perform at a higher level. And so I have sent people to this uh, gentleman that, you know, that, that need to go a little bit further than I can take them. And in working with him, the story I want to share with you is he worked with a gentleman that was incarcerated, wrongly convicted of murder for 30 years when he was 16 mm. years old. Mm. And the story behind it is brother and father were involved um, the older brother actually committed the crime and as it started to come out, father and brother got together and realized that if they blamed it on the 16 year old and he took the hit for it and agreed to take the hit for it, that he would probably get out of prison and, mm. you know, not get the death penalty and whatever. Well, he goes in, the father and brother never speak to him again, Oh my God. ever. So for 30 years at 16 years old, this gentleman, um, is in prison and all kinds of crazy stories. And I'll, get to the point on this, but the Innocence Project got involved and um, through an affiliation and vindicated him and he got out after 30 years Such and I had to interview him. Such yeah. Yeah. And so I interviewed him uh, at Philadelphia Philly Stadium at a leadership event that I was doing. And first time he'd ever been on a plane, big guy, strong guy, you know, I mean, he looks like he'd been in prison for 30 years. Is uh, that I interviewed him, I asked him a question. I said, how? how did you wake up every day, you know, and how did you get through every day? And he said the first two years he was incarcerated with no human connection at 16 years old, basically. And he said, I learned in those first two years at a young age to become my own best friend because there was nobody else. And I've never heard anybody say that before. And so if you think about that, you know, before you can really have peace and be friends with others and create relationships and be a good leader, you have to be happy with who you are. You have to become your own best friend. So through this pandemic, what a lot of leaders have done is really rediscovered who they are. They've, you know, they've rebuilt relationships. They've, they checked in more with, you know, their teammates. They checked in more with themselves. They've developed themselves physically and mentally. Um, and so I, I share that with you because I think it's key to how we move forward. If you're not your own best friend, it's hard to be a friend of somebody else or even receive that friendship. So you really have to start with you as a leader. Fascinating insight. You know, so yeah. right now, many employees are working from home and their leadership is struggling to themselves adapt to this new world. Yeah. What are you hearing? The main thing I'm hearing, and it's, it seems like it's the number one thing, is you know, people want to know that they're safe. 
And when you're remote, you're not going into the office every day, you, you, the rhythm does change, even if you're on Zoom video. And so from the leadership standpoint, leaders, as you mentioned, have so much on their plate and they're working so hard to get through the other companies through this time, their employees. And so they're moving, they're moving just as fast as they were prior. What's what we're trying to do is get people to slow down, make the phone call to the person, the individual zoom call, whatever into that home for 15 minutes and just check in. And, and all kinds of things have emerged. Here's, here's one example for a leader that's got a lot of uh, employees that he's checking in on and that becomes exhausting. This one leader calls and says, uh, where are you at on a scale from one to 10? Or even sends a text message and says, where are you at on a scale from one to 10? 10 being amazing, anything below five, not so great. And he gauges who he calls and who he connects with based on that scale. And it took some time to be really, for people to be honest with it. But now what happens is he'll text somebody, he'll text me or whoever and say, where are you at? If I say a four, it's a phone call. Let's talk about that for, is it something professionally? Is it something personally? Is it a project that you're frustrated with? Or are you frustrated with a person? And he does the opposite. If it's, it's, if it's above a seven or an eight, he's like, let's talk. I want to be part of that energy. Why, why is your day so great? Did you just close a deal? Did you, did you do this? Did you do that? So he, because he has so many employees, he's created this system and it sounds a little bit surfacey, but actually it works really well. And I've talked to the employees that respond to it and they love it. Hmm. because they've he's created the safe space and if somebody's having a three day they're like i'm a three we can't talk today i'd sure like to talk to you tomorrow so that you know people are creating systems like that other people are just scheduling 15 minute phone calls as a check-in how are you how's your family you know what's important to you um and then one more component to that leaders are now finding out i talk a lot about this i talk about it in the book i wrote uh, all of us have what i call this 20 percent tapping into the 20 and the the I'll describe it quickly. In in our twenty is what's in our heart. It's our deepest desires, goals, passions. You know, it's it's what makes us tick. You know, if you're if you have a significant yeah. other and you have children, that's in your twenty. If you have pets, that's in your twenty. If you're if you like to play golf, that's in your twenty. You know, whatever it is. As a leader, without getting too creepy, <laughs> we have to understand what what is in people's twenty percent. What's their deepest desires, goals, passions, aspirations, etc. If we don't know that, we don't know the individual. And so to motivate and to inspire and to see the individual, we have to know that. So today, leaders are starting to connect with that more than I've ever seen. And it goes the other way, too. People know what's in my 20. You know, they know that I like to ski and mountain bike and health is important to me and leadership is important to me and kindness is important to me, all those things. And so they try to deliver that back to me so I can be the best version of myself. So that reciprocation that goes back and forth, what's in your 20, you know, Dustin, if you and I got to know each other even better, I would even know more about you as a human being and what was important to you. And I would want to become, you know, an advocate to that and support you and and push you into the direction that was important to you. Nice. So that, that's great. That's key. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that is. And, and one of the other areas that most of us don't really think about because we're, we're too focused on ourselves is that we have an entire lifetime behind us. I mean, entire life chapters, stories, pain, good, and that everybody we're working with has their own stories that all of us then are now kind of coming in the middle and meeting each other. And we don't always get the best of each other. We sometimes get the worst of each other. So how right. do you deal with that aspect? I mean, as somebody that's in a position of leadership that they are always expected to behave better or that they're only to give the best of themselves when, well, quite frankly, we're all human. Yeah, well, you, you actually just said it. It's, it's an awareness and an understanding as a leader that when somebody is not behaving um, 
as their best self, or they've done something that seems to go against how you know them or who they are. Um, they have, they have a story. They have what my doctor friend would say, atmospheric conditions that are different than yours. So their behavior is different, how they respond. And those atmospheric conditions are the experiences that they've had in their life, or maybe the experience that they're having right now in that moment. So for me, what, what's helpful is understanding that it doesn't mean you have to like how they're behaving, but you at least have an understanding and a perspective that there is something going on with them that is different than what happened to you, either in the moment or in the past. And just understanding that gives you a little bit of a empathy, if you will, and a pause to go, okay, I don't know why this person is behaving this way, but their atmospheric conditions are probably controlling that. And if you can find out a little more about the atmospheric conditions, find out a little more about their story, then you can start to lead. Um, you know, we have a leader that has another leader that through the pandemic went through uh, a divorce. And so the behavior, those atmospheric conditions changed how that person showed up at mm. work every day, but nobody could figure it out. So then, so the, yeah, it sounds like then yeah. what you're saying is we become the heir to the story that you right. are in essence, you're, you're now um, taking on something that existed prior to you getting to know this person, that you're inheriting everything that has come before or everything that's not coming with them. Correct. It's not, it's not anybody's fault. You know, the way sometimes when we show up the way we do, there is a reason behind that. And that's what we're saying is, and I've had this happen many times, you know, where I get a call and somebody's upset, so-and-so misbehaved, so-and-so did this, so-and-so did this in a meeting, whatever the case may be. And I say, well, what's the story behind that? And there's a pause. Well, well, I don't know, but I've never seen him do it before. Yeah, there's something behind that. And it could be something in their personal life. It could be some, some pressure they're having financially. But get to that. Let's get to that. Let's understand that first and then come back to that moment. Because if we can understand the story, it still doesn't make it right what they did. But at least we have an idea of what was behind it. And we take the individual, you know, and we put them in a different light and go, you know what, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're dealing with this or I'm sorry, you know, you're going through this or I didn't know you had this kind of pressure on you. And now it makes total sense is why you came at me the way that you did. Right. And now you can come back with a level of empathy or at times sympathy, depending upon the story, because, you, right. and you know, in your own life and, and you've done an amazing job, like not as you become successful, you found a way to not blow up your life in the process. Like I know lots of successful people. Some of them usually do blow up their lives in the process. Like that yeah. to me is quite remarkable because they, they do reach a point where they want more, more is not enough. They're not being looked at in the home like they once did or, or, or they like they once were. But right. with our own spouses or relationships that we're in, that when you're inheriting the story, when you're taking on a new person in your life or in your leadership, bringing on a new employee or the existing employees there, that it does take that time to settle yourself and look at them and realize that they have 30 years behind them or 50 years behind them. That if in my own life or my own world, what are the areas that I'm weak? That that story, don't tell someone not to feel what they feel. That's what they feel. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things I've done personally, and I talk about this a lot to others, is, is I call it the model of sustainability. So we talk about, in, in the Red Shoes Living framework, five things. And we apply these five things to everything we do, to the leaders that we are, to the culture that we build within a company, to how we serve our customers, clients, and partners. And then how we live our life and the five things, the first one is awareness, you know, just being aware, 
much more aware of every situation, including how you're feeling and other people's feelings. And, and gratitude is the next one. Number two, number three is everybody has a story. Number four is kindness and respect. And number five is putting yourself out there. So when you take all five of those things and you apply them, like even to this phone call, you know, we've had incredible awareness. There's gratitude. By the way, most successful people are grateful people. Unsuccessful people tend to be um, ungrateful and their world becomes small. They don't create space for others to be their best self. They don't create space for themselves. So gratitude becomes a really big one. But all five of those components, Dustin, have shown up in this call, you know, and we're putting ourselves out there by our responses. Well, after people say, well, how do you keep that together? How do you keep that at the forefront of everything you do and apply it to everything? When we're human beings, sometimes we go to the left or go to the right when we know we, we should go straight. And I call it the model of sustainability. And all that means <clears throat> is surrounding yourself with people that know what's important to you, that hold you accountable to that, that become your advocate, that support you. So if you do go to the left or you go to the right and they know you're supposed to be going straight, Dustin steps in and says, Lonnie, I know what's important to you. And what I'm watching and what I'm seeing is not what you wanted to do. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wake you up and I'm going to you know, pull you back. So that becomes a really important point to any leader that's out there, surrounding yourself with friends, family, and other that support you that way. Because I've, you know, I've gone to the left when I should have gone right. And I've had people say, hold on, Lonnie. You told me just yesterday you wanted to go to the right. I see you turning left. I'm not going to let it happen. So that model of sustainability, no matter who you are as a leader, how high you go, becomes the key to keeping you on the path. Wow. Incredible insight. And so, Lonnie, how do we find you and how do we find your company? Yeah. So if you go to uh, LonnieMain.com or RedShoesLiving.com, that's the business. And uh, the book that uh, we wrote this last year was out there. And, um, of course, we're on all the social media networks, um, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, both under Lonnie Main as well as under Red Shoes Living. And, um, you know, we're, we're producing more content. We're getting a lot of people that are asking us to produce some content. The main thing is we're, we're talking to so many leaders. And, Dustin, you know, I've learned a lot already from you today as well in terms of your experiences, et cetera. And what we're trying to do is take those experiences and share them just like you are. Share them with other people um, where it can be hopefully valuable and meaningful. And so we're doing much more of that. That's fantastic. Great insight. Well, Mr. Lonnie Main, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Life's Tough. Lonnie Main is tougher. Thanks again, Lonnie. Thank you, my friend. Thank you again, Lonnie, for sharing your story with us. And for those of you out there that are looking to get more engaged or more involved with your own story, I'd encourage you, sit down, write it out. Talk about the things that have happened to you, the best of you, equally the worst of you. And for those that are, in, that are aspiring to become leaders, you're already in a position of leadership because all around you every single day, there is somebody that's looking at you, how you act, how you respond. And for those of you that have children, your kids look to you as their leader. I encourage you to remember that all children matter, that wherever you go, people are watching and how you hold yourself will make the difference. Thank you for tuning in and joining us on this edition. Life's tough, Lonnie Maine is tougher. Tune in next week as we have on another guest and we're gonna to talk to them about their incredible story. See everybody soon, bye-bye.